Central on City Talk. City Talk 105.9. Good afternoon. It's six minutes past five o'clock on your Monday afternoon. As ever, on Monday, Neil from the Anfield Rap and Dave from the Everton Blue Room. Come and join me uh, to dissect the weekend's football, not only for their own clubs, but for the uh, Premier League uh, in general. Now, Dave's back to his normal self. Um, do you want to go first or shall we, shall we hang back? It's totally up to you, Dave. It's your show, mate. We'll hang back. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed with Everton. Um, I'll go first. I was disappointed with Everton. I thought that the, I thought it was. I think there's, there's the, the, it's one of them really where the manager, uh, to a certain extent, can't do right for doing wrong because you can play Man City anywhere you like and you could still get beat. You know that's uh, the, that's the case of whoever plays Man City. If it's Chelsea, if it's Liverpool, if it's whoever you play Man City, there's there's a million different ways to play Man City, and any single one of them could end up in a defeat. But what I thought was. Where I thought Everton struggled was they just never quite managed to get even a even a ten minutes in the game mm. a toe hold for ten minutes and normally you know any given game of football you get ten minutes mm-hmm. and I just and I thought that was the disappointing thing and that was the you know watching it as you know watching it as as I was in this in the slightly odd capacity of watching Everton when they're up against someone like Man City in that you know I I vainly sort of half hope Everton take the points yeah. and I'm also more than happy to watch Everton not take the points but you know I was watching it thinking well. At some point they're going to get they're going to get ten minutes they're going to get ten minutes and it's going to really really get about City and in the end you know the football match City should I mean City should win the game four or five nil and I think that that's and that's uh, without any clear Evertonian bar the goalkeeper um, we'll get Dave going now bar the goalkeeper being dreadful I don't think any Evertonian player was dreadful I actually thought Seamus Coleman for instance had an excellent mm. game and I thought his duel with Sterling was one of the was one of the most interesting yep. aspects of the football match but. They just they, Everton just never managed to to get a grip of the game, and that was that that was frustrating because you know the the crowd was there waiting for them, and and that, that's what that, that that that's what I found difficult. When you saw the formation, Dave, or, mm. the, or the team, let's say before the formation, when you saw the team come out, you must have thought to yourself, "All right, yeah, he's going to play two up front here." Um, I was in two minds to be honest with you. I was I was happy we kept the same side. Obviously, you don't change your winning formula and all that sort of stuff comes out, doesn't it? Um, the thing I was disappointed with and where I saw the liability being, and I'm not just saying this with the benefit of hindsight, before kick-off, I, I was concerned with that left-hand side with Galloway. Um, two weeks earlier, he was exposed a couple of times by Akechi Anya of Watford, and with all due respect to him, City have got a hell of a lot more class than him going forward, and I was worried that he'd get exposed, I was worried he was going to help him double up. Uh, it, it turned out that he was doubled up on, uh, on that right-hand side with yeah. Sanya and uh, Navas, even Silva, Spotted the the uh, where he could exploit spaces round Galloway. He got over there as well as did Aguero, and I felt really really sorry for him because he had a Runacone tracking back to help him. Now this is where I think Morales probably deserved to start ahead of Kone. Kone did nothing wrong. Kone was brilliant against Southampton. I've waxed lyrical about him all week, how good he was against Southampton. But you know it's horses for courses. It's ma- a manager should know what he's coming up against here. City are lightning quick on that side. Galloway's a quick player. But when you're facing up against a man with such pace in Navas, and he's got very little else, to be honest with you, I don't really rate him. I was excited when he initially came to the Premier League, but I don't think he's done anything since. When you've got someone with such lightning and pace, it's quite easy for somebody else. But he swapped it there, though, wasn't he, anyway? Yeah. Because last week, Coney played off the right. Yeah, at Southampton. Well, he, played, I mean. he played off the right at Southampton, so he, he swapped cleverly yeah. over to the right to put Kone on the left. You know, has he, has he made a decision there thinking he'd rather have cleverly to help protect Sterling and yeah. uh, against Sterling and Zabaleta? Well, if you look at the contrast, Neil, uh, and you mentioned how good Coleman was, Coleman was my man of the match. Um, if you look how well cleverly doubled up with Coleman on that side to negate Sterling and others who were, who were meandering over that way, you know, it was re- it was really good to see. Out of the two full-backs, I mean, he, he, I think you're quite naive to think that 
Coleman would need the extra help against Sterling than Navas, you know, being there to exploit Galloway. I think mm-hmm. you'd you pick that Galloway would be the one that needs the help. Being a young lad in experience, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the biggest test of his career so far. And I felt I had great sympathy with him. There was a comical point where Kone actually comes back, wins the ball, doesn't know what to do with it. Could have, could have sliced it back to, to Howard. Uh, City nearly nipping and score. Yep. Uh, that's after about 10 or 15 minutes. And the right was on the wall there. They were relentless down that side. Galloway stuck to his task. You know, there, there wasn't a glaring error. And there's no way that I'm going to sit here and, and start slating the lab. But I, I think that's that, that one's on the manager to address that. Particularly when you see it. I mean, the lineups themselves. You know, you're speaking about formation. That's something you should be generally concerned about when you're picking your team, anyway. Let alone not changing it after ten minutes. And we meandered through to half time. I thought we were very, very lucky to get in nil nil. Neil's interesting point was Everton didn't have that intense spell, which Goodison's renowned for. Everton are renowned for having in big games like this. And you know, there were two occasions, there were two moments Everton had rather than spells of pressure, and two of them almost brought about goals. Well. They brought about goal scoring chances, and they were the two free kicks we had on the edge of the box. The initial one, which Barkley blazed over, yep. he made himself by making a fantastic run. He finally got beyond Yaya Torre, who who I think was afforded too much respect. Now, I think it, you know people can throw it at me that it's easy to say that you're playing against Yaya Torre and David Silva. They need to be afforded some respect, but I thought in a home game, I thought we should have impressed ourselves on them a little bit more. It was a little bit too cautious for me. The occasion when we got past them, cleverly made the dart and run for the second one, Lukakowicz, the bar from the free kick. We had one shot on target in the 90 minutes. Everton deserved to lose the game, ultimately. Um, There's much sort of debate on if Everton played well and if they didn't. I don't particularly think we played well at all. Particularly when you look back at Everton's recent history against Man City at home in particular. Done all right. We've done really well. I think uh, we've won four out of the last six mm. going into that game. Um, so what changes this time around, though? Because last time, <coughs> last week we were talking about, obviously, the mentality off the back of the Southampton yeah. game. You're expecting, honestly, you're expecting to lose that game because Man City mm. are flying at this moment in time. If you get beat, then it's no great shakes. You're not surprised by it. So why not go in there and say, do you know something, let's just go toe to toe and see what happens? Do you know what? I, I actually fancied us for this. I, I really did because it, I thought it was exactly what we needed following the Southampton game. Mm. Um I'm not so sure. I think I think the issue. I know is, City had on the, the head of steam already. City got a head of steam, but I think it's also what I think the manager was probably trying to do was probably trying to do what he did against Southampton, which was allow them to have a bit more of the ball and try and spring them, and then try and spring them. And that's and I think he spends the he spends the first half especially trying to do that. But what happens is that. City and Southampton are two very different football teams. In that, you know, Southampton can play nice football, but they can't hurt you, and they can't they can't mould you. You can, you know, Southampton can't change the way in which football think matches are live things. Mm-hmm. Southampton can't really change the way you play a football match as anywhere near as efficiently as Manchester City, who can suddenly give you all these things to worry about. So that, for instance, you're not comfortable with the idea of going right. We're going to go with them now. Coney is more worried about what's going to happen to Galloway and is less likely to go make it a front two yeah. with Lukaku. Fair point. And all those things, and I think that's what City did. And City just, I thought City just imposed their will on the football mm. match in a way in which Everton would never, never quite had an answer to. And I think that that's where I do wonder you know I take Dave's point on the selection he doesn't want to change a winning team but I do wonder whether or not the way you impose your will back is by having two subs on 60 get to 60 at 0-0 have two subs which then say right we're going to try well, and there they go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that would have been De La Feu and Morales De La Feu comes on far or, too late or you start Morales you start yeah. Morales and, you, and then you bring Kone and De La Feu on on 60 and go right this is us now having a go Yeah. do you know what it felt like to me Neil and, and, and you'll be able to give me a safe answer on this because obviously you watch the game uh, 
it felt like the nil nil derby at Goodison last season to me in patches for Everton. That's what I thought as well. It yep. was very very the, the caution was was far too much. So in my opinion, I I think Everton. The, the spells of intensity and it, it goes back to what David Moyes used to play against these sides at home Everton would have bursts of intensity in yeah. these games and, and that wasn't apparent and I, I just sort of wondered why because energy wasn't exerted by running City down because we basically sat back and let them play in front of us for a lot of it so I was wondering where, where that was going to come you know you didn't get that sense that the Everton were going to break at any point the way they did so successfully think, yeah, against Southampton. Yeah. But the concerns, and I think that's I think basically City got Everton into into a situation where all the Everton players were worried about what would, what would happen behind them. If I take a gamble, what's going to happen behind me? And I think that there's the specific markers in that. There's Galloway, there's Barry. Um, you know, the, I think they're the two main ones where Everton, where, where, where the Everton players are thinking... If we if we push, if if you're James McCarthy, and you're thinking I'm going to go and get around Yaya Torre, then you're also thinking to yourself that means I'm leaving Silver one on one with Barry, yeah. and they can just go pop pop pop, and suddenly, and which they're very good at, and that's the thing they're so good at popping the ball off. And then that, that second manner. goal was phenomenal from Torre. Yeah, it's a lovely goal. It's a lovely goal. But they, they had they had three or four like that. Uh, the one where Silver hits the post and Sterling mm. plays the reverse pass. You know, mm-hmm. the the even Sterling missing out on the back post. He well, really should score there. Yeah, he? He should if he sorts his feet out, if he wasn't a right footer player, he makes that. He, yeah. he tried to go at it with his right when it was there for his left. Yeah, it's a miss, and I think that, that, and this is why, as I say, I think that the the results almost flatters Everton a little bit. But I think that this is where, if you go up against a Man City, you've got to have, and this is where I do feel a little bit sorry for Martinez on one level, i.e., with Galloway. I think that Everton would be happier to leave Baines to win his one-on-one battle with Navas. Mm-hmm. Normal if it was Leighton Baines, they're not going to be happy to leave Galloway to win his one-on-one battle with Navas. They're going to worry about him. Yeah. And I think we've got to cover. We've got to cover for this lad. Got to look after them. But then I think you've got this situation with Barry where I feel a little bit sorry for Barry. I thought the most interesting thing that happened in the football match was that when Everton were chasing the game at one nil, Barry went way ahead of McCarthy and mm. started to play really high up the pitch. And it was almost as though someone's thought we need to just get him out the way. <laughs> and I don't mean that. In a, what I mean is that you, oh. you, you can't you can't leave Barry in there one-on-one with, those, with some of those lads. But it was as though they thought well, we can leave McCarthy him yeah. one-on-one so we'll put Barry up he's a good player because he's still obviously a good footballer he's still intelligent but you just can't leave him one-on-one with anyone and the number of times you saw Silver just ghosting off the back of him you go and come on man yeah I, I, you referred to it last week Neil I think when you said Barry is re- you can really see him in these games because the, it passes him by if he gets turned he, he looks like a, an old man and that's essentially what happened in a lot of the game I, th- I, I think we need to point out when Galloway went off Tyus Brown and come on I thought he was very very comfortable against Navas I thought he, he showed him up well he was he, he looked mature he never he, he, he kept to the basics when he won the ball back ball, won the ball back he put it into touch it was simple basic defending and it covered the cross very well on that yeah. one occasion did the yeah. same thing uh, I, I, I was mildly impressed with him I was but then you've got a problem he was going to play you know Full, this is the issue I think we're playing. We're really, on our fourth choice left back, by the way. Well, this is it. This is the issue we're playing really, really good sides. I think playing re- and they're all young lads, aren't they? Yeah. The two lads that you just mentioned there are young lads. They're learning the games. Yeah. Playing really, really good sides. They've got to be able to trust each other. And if you can't trust each other, that means that you're going to worry. And if you're looking around and you're worrying what everyone else is doing all the time, and you're worrying about the fact that you might lose the game of football all the time, then it makes it quite difficult to play defensively because you're thinking to yourself, because you can't have those moments where you explode, where there's five minutes where City are going, oh, I'm not sure about these. Mm-hmm. So City get more and more comfortable, yeah. impose themselves more and more on the game, put Everton more and more out of shape, then go 1-0 up. And then it's as though Everton are all looking at each other going, how, 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 do, we get, how do we work this puzzle out? Yeah. 
absolutely. One guy that is uh, definitely not uh, naive or young or uh, uh, just starting out in his career is uh, the goalkeeper. We've obviously got to talk about him, Dev, at some point. He's obviously still celebrating coming out of international retirement and getting himself a brand spanking new call-up for the uh, United States of America. Uh, you alluded in our first ever chat that the fella dives out the way of stuff. The first goal... As soon as it happened, I went, oh, Dev's going to be on it tomorrow. He's going to be all over that tomorrow. What is he doing? What in, There is absolutely no reason whatsoever to make the decision that he makes and go left when he can only mm. score in one position. He can only score on the right-hand side of him. I, I, I'm generally not surprised by anything that man does anymore, but the, 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 what I was surprised by was how many defended him. They said that he's moving out the way to try and cover the ball going across. Yeah, but his defenders were there to do that. But, the, the, I mean... I, <laughs> Goalkeepers are supposed to react. That is what a goalkeeper does, essentially, isn't it? He reacts to what way the ball goes. I mean, it's not like he's facing a penalty where you're guessing all the time. Yeah. You will see where that ball's going. There's the, the, the first and foremost thing he should be doing is protecting the goal, standing at his near post. The goalkeeper gets beat at his near post at the best of times. It's criminal. Any decent goalkeeper will tell you that. And... He moves out the way. There's only one place Kolarov can score there if that ball stays on the floor, and that's if he moves. And he moves. I, I, I just I don't get the persistence with him. I, I don't. I know people laugh and joke about it, but it's just got. It, you know, it's terminal now. This this just ridiculous. The levels at which he's sunk to, and lo and behold, he got the man of the match in. Um, the, the player, the, the well, he guest did, lounges. He did make a couple of good, decent saves in the middle of the half with his legs, didn't it? But this is it. They're not decent saves because the right at him. You go back to the World Cup one, they're not decent saves because the right at him. Now, I've had this argument all day. It's good position and whatnot. If someone hits a football at you and you don't move out the way, you save it. It's not a good save. Mm. He's not moving towards he the ball. He saved He's one not... of the goal with his face. Exactly. Yeah. Good he save. He his <laughs> Navas. People telling me he's, he's a world-class goalkeeper. The ball's getting hit right at the man. And, and people say, oh, great save. I'll stand there. He's dreadful for the second. The well, second like, one. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't, he doesn't raise his hands for well, the second the, one, the, the, the great irony in that one is when he normally faced with situations like that, he normally looks like a starfish on the toilet and he, and he puts his arms out, comes out and spreads himself, looks ridiculous and it gets put underneath him. On this, on this one, he comes out and, I, I'm, you know, any good goalkeeper would clear the house there. Nasri's going to Take hospital. Him out. Yeah, yeah. And the re- there's no chance of it coming back on you because the referee will favour a goalkeeper in that situation every single time. And he, he tries to throw a shoulder at it. I'm thinking, what what are you doing? He actually takes his head out the way of the ball. Yeah, he does. I, I don't get what it is. It reminds me, you know, when you playing footy when you're a kid and no one wants to go in goal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's that do you know what I mean oh, do you know what lads I'll let this in I... and if you watch it as it goes past him and it's just crossing the line if you watch him on the replay after it he sort of does this little fake stumble as if like oh, I've tried my best for that one lads but I just wasn't good enough <laughs> I am sick to death of this and and it's costing us points, I season on season now, Neil. I, I think I'm not. Knows. I'm not being crazy. Here, I'm I think he knows. I think. And the thing yeah, about, he does know. He I does think the thing about the opening goal. The thing about the opening goal is it actually reminds me of, um, of Brad Jones at Old Trafford. In that Brad Jones at Old Trafford for the opening goal last season jumps the wrong way. Mm. He literally jumps out the way of the ball. And I think that there's an element here of Howard knowing I'm not good enough. 
I've got to anticipate. I've got to do it all with anticipation. I've got to. I've got to guess where this is going to go, yep. and I've got to go there early. And Kolarov, and the quick as a flash, and it's, it's it's a really good finish from Kolarov because you know obviously he's, it's 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 happening on an instinctive level. He's going. This fella's getting out the way. Here. You can just see that that his weight's gone completely the wrong way, and he puts it in where he puts it. But I think it's because, and I think it's the same with the second. I think Howard knows he's not good enough, and I think that this is where Everton have got a problem. Is that I think? Well, I'm going to say, is there anything uh, that's pushing him for his position? Well, that's. That, I mean, you know, if you if, you, if you're going to get in depth about it, I mean, Tim Howard's never been pushed in this time in Everton. That's the simple, that's the cold light of day. You look at the keepers, a long list of goalkeepers that have been his understudy. I mean, it's it's, it's quite laughable, some of the names I could reel off to you. Stefan Vessels, Carlo Nash. <laughs> you know, these these lads barely kick a ball in league football, some of them. Uh, who's the other fellow? Jan Mooker. Yeah. You know, you, you're looking... House on names. Absolutely, <laughs> there's absolutely no competition for the lad. I think it's, I think it's more profound than that, though. I think I think he just simply knows he's gone. And I think that this is the... He knows he's going to play, Neil. That, that, that's the selfish thing that gets me with him. I don't, no, have, a well, personal, I... I don't have a personal vendetta against him at all. I, think, I, th- I want him out to do well. People mistake that. I don't want to watch him every week, you know, throwing himself out the way and saying, put the ball there, mate, there's a goal for you. I don't want him to do that. He does it. And and the fact that he's not going to not pick, one, he's not going to not pick himself. Two, I know that Neil. But last last season he come out, and I think it's so patronising that he come out and he went uh, asked after a few games, uh, Sunderland the way it was when he he put a wall. Pretty much by uh, Martinez, he, he lined up a wall. Sebastian Larson had the free kick twenty yards out. He puts the wall over. He might as well have the cup of coffee in the in the first row. He was that far away from the goal. Larson doesn't even have to put the, put it round them. Goes in. He's flat footed. Doesn't move towards the ball. He's asked about it after the game. Tim, you know what's happening there? Oh, Sebastian Larson's got the free kicks. That's his response, and he says, you know, he's yeah. asked, how do you analyse that performance, Tim? How do you how do you assess your performance this season? I don't talk about it. I have a look at it at the end of the season. He's not. I want someone to follow that up now and say, what did you make of last season, Tim, when you were analysing it in the summer? I've had enough. I think I think that I, I think part of the problem is that he's clearly an intelligent fella, and he's clearly an intelligent fella. And I I think deep down he knows. I think he knows because uh, that's why he's he's you know Tim Howard hasn't become a bad goalkeeper overnight. I think he's been he's not been great. I think for a while, and I think he's getting worse. But should the manager though not rectify that? Oh, absolutely. Then? Joe Robles came in uh, for half a dozen games when he was injured last last season. And to be fair to him, I mean, the, the, what we'd saw before Robles come back into the side was the last he was seen was throwing the ball against his own crossbar against Arsenal in an FA Cup game. Uh, but he came into the into the team nonetheless because there was obviously no alternative and. He was he was largely dodgy for the first couple of games. Then he built up some confidence. We went to West Ham in the fourth round. He played the FA Cup and he was magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he pretty much kept us in the game. We went down to ten men in it. Aidan McGeady was sent off, and from then he kept he kept three consecutive clean sheets. As soon as Hart was fit, he was dropped. I, I don't I don't get how that does anything for Joe Robles. Is that telling him that he's got no future at the club? Certainly, because he sat there on the bench ever since. It doesn't make sense to me if you if you've got a goalkeeper, but that position as well. It, it's it's such a unique position. When a goalkeeper's playing well, it must be the biggest kick in the you know what's when you're taken out. Absolutely, yeah. I'd agree with that. But I'd say that now you're in a situation where Robles doesn't look like a first choice goalkeeper. I think he hasn't spent. anyway, Neil. I agree, but and, it's, and I think that how that's was the, that poor deserved the run? I think that that I think that that's the problem that. That, that Martinez has got and I 
fundamentally, if I was, you know, if I was Everton's director of football or whatever, I'd be saying we should be buying a goalkeeper. I think, you know, of, of all the positions I think that Everton need to address, I think they should be buying a goalkeeper between now and the end of the window. They should be going out there and they should be genuinely looking <coughs> for someone who can come in and, 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 and I'd say just simply take the place off Howard and pop him down onto the bench. But I think it'll take a very specific personality. I think Howard's got a big personality. I think there's 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 lots of this is there's a lot of stuff that's going up that goes on here that, you know, his dressing room stuff, his yeah, training yeah. ground stuff. And Howard's clearly yeah. an important personality in that Everton squad. So it's a you've got to be sure if you're gonna bob him out. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go and get a replacement. You should, you can go, he is our number one. Mm-hmm. This, here he is, here he comes, he's our number one. And I think that that's the Robles problem. It's the problem with all these other goalkeepers. It's not competition for Howard. I don't think Howard needs competition. I, you know, I've seen enough now to agree with Dave. And this is, you know, this is now over, I'd say, about 18 months mm. to be able to say this fellow shouldn't be, shouldn't be a goalkeeper for a club of Everton standing. He shouldn't be. Uh, you know, it's, it's time to make that massive, massive call and just go, that's it for you. But to do that, the only way Everton can do it, I think, is to go out and find somebody with a personality. Yeah. And go, somebody can do, do all that stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. the thing where I slightly agree with, uh, disagree with Neil is, is the uh, competition thing. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we, we need like Czech and Courtois like the dilemma Chelsea had last season. I'm simply wanting somebody there who will push him. And he's never had that in his career at Everton. He's known he's been the number one. Where's your incentive to go to work every day? If you know you, if you're going to be if, if you're going to be there, I mean, we all have to keep our jobs by performing on a consistent basis every day. It should be the same for him. It hasn't been in largely 10 years at Everton. He knows he's going to be in goal. I think that's where the weakness comes in. And, and just to prove that I'm not just going off on one and having a laugh and a joke, he was statistically the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League last season uh, in terms of uh, shots to saves ratio. Um, and and it, it really it saddens me to look at it because you know you talk about these players coming in, we need this, we need that, we need 10s, we need strikers. Goalkeepers are a fundamental position and it needs sorting out. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, you can do text talk to 61025. As Matt mentioned there, it is the legends, obviously, from uh, 630 uh, with Steve Hollisall. Make sure you're here for that as we build up towards the game at the Emirates. Now, we've talked Everton. We'll come back to that very shortly. Right now, uh, obviously, all things Liverpool. For the second week running, they're playing on the Monday night football. It's ruining my life. Hmm. We delved into this a little bit uh, throughout the course of the week, obviously, with uh, the game against Bournemouth tonight. Totally different opposition. Now, just to take you back to April at the Emirates, kind of a role reversal as to what we saw at the back end of the season previous at Anfield when Liverpool high-pressed them and probably gave one of the greatest performances that has ever been yeah, seen we, we were We were well better in beating them 5-1 than they were in Absolutely. beating them 4-1. I, I mean, like the way we that you've were, done that. We were well better. <laughs> Especially in that first 20 minutes, sensational. However, they were good up at the Emirates, and the reason yep. being is because Liverpool kind of played into their hands. Now, I'm going to just bring up three points that I picked from that previous game, Go on. and I want you to tell me this season, have they been adjusted? Right, so the first point would be playing with that fake centre-forward. Obviously, Raheem Sterling started uh, at the game at the Emirates uh, with uh, Sturridge on the bench. Um... Arsenal obviously pressed the game very, very high, so the Liverpool were too deep to be able to influence the game going forward. And finally, uh, the right-hand side of the Liverpool team. If you remember from that game, it was a makeshift one where Jordan Henderson actually played on the right-hand side of the midfield uh, four or five or whatever was they were playing on. He, yeah, was right, he was right wing-back. He played the wing-back, and obviously on the right-hand side of the defence, you had Emre Chance. So therefore, people like Alexis and Ertzel were having a little bit of a field day on that particular thing. So with those three points, have they been addressed going into the game tonight? Um, ben Teke, obviously, uh, addresses, mm-hmm. addresses the Sterling, the, the Sterling at centre forward thing. Whether or not Liverpool can 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 get him into the game enough is the key question. It's he, he's going to have to hold it up. But 
what was noticeable about against Bournemouth was his ability to flick it on, which means you've got to get people around him. Absolutely. If he can win those flick ons, you've got to get people close to him, and then there's got to be the next thing that happens in a football match, which is obviously you, 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 you hold the ball. I think he was he was impressive, I felt, against. I'm worried about the Lallana thing for a variety of reasons, because I think that against Bournemouth, uh, Benteke and Coutinho were clearly being sort of forced to build a relationship. Coutinho was playing closest to him uh, for the entirety of the 90 minutes off the right hand side. And I think that would have been the plan for Liverpool tonight. Now it won't be because if if Lallana's not travelled, then Coutinho will probably drop back into into the centre of midfield uh, and play in a midfield three there. So that that worries me a little bit in terms of yes, Benteke more of a physical <laughs> presence can do all that sort of stuff, but can he you know can he can he pull it into the game there? Second point is I don't I didn't, I don't think Jordan I would have started tonight. Uh, now I think he will. I think that he, the manager would have gone with Coutinho, uh, Benteke, and Firmino as his front three. Whereas now I think he will he will be uh, Ibe, and so I will play off one of the flags don't know which one and Firmino will have the job of getting close um, in there so I don't know who's actually going to play on the right for Liverpool right back will be Nathaniel Klein clear improvements and you know Liverpool's fullbacks thus far this season have looked difficult to trouble uh, they've looked like they, mm-hmm. they do things with a minimum of fuss uh, what was your third thing? Uh, the third thing was uh, well uh, the high pressing situation obviously with Liverpool not being able well, to this, influence yeah. anywhere on the pitch this is where this is why I think he was going to start Lallana centrally yeah. I think his side against Bournemouth because he, he, he picks an unchanged team against Bournemouth but he set them up completely differently and as the game wore on Lallana dropped deeper and deeper and I think that he would have started Lallana very much in centre midfield tonight I think that would have been his plan because I think what he was alongside thinking, who alongside, alongside ideally and Henderson and Milner now it could well be Emery Chan Milner Coutinho which puts him two of the three would have played away from what he wanted to do because I think that there's 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 the way you deal with Arsenal and there's a clear way to deal with Arsenal which is to be compact win your battles etc etc don't let, don't take any nonsense but you'd also want lads playing who are capable of carrying the ball in tight areas in the centre of the park once you have won it back pop it off to Lallana can he buy you five yards very often yes one of his strengths while he's been playing for Liverpool is the ability to buy five yards one of his weaknesses is what does he do once he's got them absolutely yeah so but if he's playing in a deeper central midfield role well the strength there is that he gets to take that little pressure off turn away turn into a little bit of space and then release it to someone like Coutinho to someone like Firmino and let them worry a little bit more about what happens higher up the pitch so I think is going to be a quiet subtle miss this evening because I think he would have offered that and that that's how you deal with the Arsenal high press and if Arsenal are going to come and press you high well one of the best ways to do it is to actually play around the press mm-hmm. you basically go pop 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 not entirely unlike Manchester City but obviously Arsenal you know are, are a very strong pressing unit but you just go pop 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 and suddenly you find yourself three of them you've got three of them past you Adam Lallana's got the ball he's looking up he's looking for Philip Coutinho last time at the Emirates in April they didn't have that out ball this, no, ta- this no time way. they do have that out ball the, in Benteke don't yeah, they? but they've they got are, to get around him they've got to get, they've got to get around him but also it's not about one out ball I think it's about three and I think we know that they can play on the floor though mm, oh completely but I think that this is the that, that's what I mean it's about three out balls I think and I think that the plan will have been that Lallana was an out ball Coutinho was an out ball and Benteke was an out ball for different areas of the pitch you know when you get it if, if, if Milner and Henderson are playing in, in deep line midfield the defence wins the ball back they feed it to Henderson Milner they then feed it to Lallana he's able to turn away from his man you need that in the centre of the park and I think that that's going to define a lot of because a lot of what, what Arsenal do well they they're playing Santi Cazorla's deep line central midfielder. Yeah. Why? Because he picks the ball up and he turns away. He's got, you know, most of the time his first touch takes him away from the first man who presses him. Liverpool needs to have the same thing tonight and that's how you deal with a high press. Mm. They brought up a, a, a great point um, before regarding is there an argument for Lucas tonight? 
Yeah, there is. I mean, but but I would say that the last two times Liverpool went to the Emirates, Lucas played on both occasions and Liverpool lost both games. But also the last two times Liverpool went to the Emirates, uh, uh, Lucas played on both occasions and Liverpool played three at the back. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that you know the, the, they were they were a man light um, in key areas in areas where Arsenal like to play, which is the gap between the fullbacks and the cent- and and the, the holding midfielder and all that sort of stuff. I think that they the were, old school inside right inside yeah, left side. Positions. That's where they live. That's where you know that that's where they live and breathe Arsenal. And uh, Liverpool got into a situation where Giroud was sort of occupying three men and then there was loads of little lads running around making Lucas and Gerrard uh, two years ago when Lucas and Joe Allen look a bit daft uh, last season and so I think that it's um, I think that you know I think the shift to a four will help with that there is an argument to start Lucas the only problem is I saw Lucas at Swindon and it's just my eyes I mean I don't want this to become a truism because this is just one view and a lot of the people who saw it on television thought that, uh, that, that, that those of us who went overstated it but he didn't half look off the pace with Swindon moving around and running towards him and so I would <coughs> be mildly concerned but I'm concerned about playing Emre Chan. Mm. if I was picking the side I would probably go with Lucas as as a last hurrah and sit Milner very much next to him um, and sit Coutinho very close to them and plays quite a quite a tight three in terms of being able to get the ball pop the ball and What's your reservations regarding Emre Chan? He can't turn round that's a crucial part of football and certainly when you play against Arsenal he is not at all I thought he saw against Bournemouth for 40 minutes I thought Henderson's performance against Bournemouth and latterly now against Stoke is actually quietly underrated he's a lad who's never really had a run as the deepest of a midfield and in both of those games firstly not only is he they haven't had a clear cut chance I'd say whilst he's on the pitch we can argue about whether or not the goal should have stood but again that's from a set piece neither side neither Stoke nor nor Bournemouth had a clear cut chance whilst Henderson was playing in that position yeah. Emre Chan comes on and I thought you saw all the strengths and weaknesses of what he can and can't do in that position. He just looked, you know, he, he won a couple of big, big tackles. He p- played a lovely pass at, at one point. Uh, you saw him do a surge and run at one point. But he was consistently badly positioned. He was consistently getting turned round and being found wanted. But how often, if you play in holding midfield, do you get to run 25 yards? If you run 25 yards, you're doing something wrong. And there's this, there's this issue... Which, back yeah, there's this issue, which is that as soon as he begins to turn round, you know, lads lads are two, three paces ahead of him. And this is before... We're, t- we're talking here about Bournemouth players. We're not talking about Alexis Sanchez. We're not talking about Metis Altso. We're not talking about Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. And that's the worry, Adam. You know, that's the, that's the concern. Do you know what? I, I'm really intrigued by this tonight because... It, I think Liverpool go there with very different side than they've had there in recent years. I mean, how you can influence the game and attack and sense, Neil. I, I, I think this would be massive for me, you know, if and when he plays. I think he's obviously going to come in and start. I think that I think that's for certain. And you're sort of giving you're fighting fire with fire from that sense. I think because he's he, he looks to be one of those busy little players that the likes of which Arsenal have got themselves. Very much so. I think if they don't cater for that. And go all guns blazing at Liverpool as they have done in the past. I, I think that could play into Liverpool's hands. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if if Arsenal found one. And um, they've got the lad Coquelin, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Arsenal. It was brought off against Palace. Because he's I, a knothead, isn't he? He is a knothead. He, he is. I, I, think, I think the likes of him, obviously Coutinho as well, could give him the run around tonight. I, I think if they're not respectful enough to Liverpool, which I don't think they will be because they're desperate to get off the mark at home, uh, what's that great start? Wenger's never lost the opening two yeah, yeah. in a season. I, I honestly think I, I think Liverpool could could have some success in behind their midfield because they'll be coming out all guns blazing. I'd be I'd be running a cockalan. Exactly. Think I, I think that this was some. Get him on a yellow first twenty nil. Yeah, I think it's happened to Matic twice uh, when I saw him. Yeah. Saw Chelsea against Swansea and against Man City. Uh, people ran 
at Nemanja Matic and I think that one of the best ways to deal with a good holding midfielder is to run at him it's not, to try to take, not to try to take him out the game not to try and pass around him because that suits them they get to step in intercept look good is actually go I'm going to run at you and I'm going to run at you in a manner which means I'm going to go past you and you've got a decision to make as to whether or not you bring me down mm. and I if I that and I think that this is a bit a slight tactical sort of shift actually in football this season thought I thought Man City were doing the same with Barry actually we're going to run near you we're going to actually create a problem for you rather than having this idea you sweep up behind everybody else so I th- yeah I'd like to see Liverpool do that tonight I'd love to see you know if, if I does play for, I think Liverpool have got to be a bit narrower certainly in possession I think Liverpool there's a funny thing at the minute because Liverpool's full backs are sitting and I'm fine with it but what that what that means is that you're looking at, for the players on the pitch to provide you with a certain amount of width I'd forget that tonight I'd look for Liverpool I'd look to play as narrowly as they can in possession and just allow the full still to sit so that the, you've got that extra layer of cover and protection for those around but have this idea that try to make the football match happen within the width of the 18 yard box in order every now and again maybe break out out the other side of it but in order to to be playing around Arsenal's feet when Liverpool have got the ball and then therefore you'll have lads who are closer to Benteke they won't have to cover ground to catch up yeah I, I, I think it's a terrific battle on the, on either flank O'Neill as well I mean you look at their full backs are lightning quick you put Ibe up against one of them it'd be interested to see how they react uh, obviously I remember um, Lukaku coming up against Monreal when Everton decided to play him on his side of the pitch specifically and he had all sorts of joy there I, I think with, with Ibe they don't well, like being turned around basically no no, and I'm cutting inside. I think it's a lot more dangerous than him getting to the byline at the moment. I think so, and I think he might play him inverted tonight. He might play him off the left and play for me off the right, mm. but you don't know. I just, I, for me, it, it's a funny game really because I very much want Liverpool to go and you know to put one on Arsenal. I think it'd be quite nice. It's, we're, we're, we're overdue. The other side of it though is the pressure's on them. It's not on us. We've got six points. Um, mm. They they need they need a win tonight, and I think if we can get to sixty, I think there's you know there's there's a real vibe for me of this one of get to sixty, just get to sixty and see, because I think then if you get to sixty and it's still nil nil, then I th- I think Arsenal will be thinking to themselves, oh God, it's going to happen again uh, with what's been going on. Cadrill on City Talk. City Talk 105.9. Uh, coming up at uh, 6.30, the legends will be here, obviously building you up towards Arsenal and Liverpool. We are in deep discussion about the game tonight. Quite exciting, obviously, because yeah, it's on the telly box. Uh, Dave from the uh, Blue Room <coughs> has posed a question, I suppose, uh, towards Neil at uh, Anfield Rat. Yeah. If you want to just pick it up, we, we we started it, I suppose, just before the break there. Um, um, it's regarding the top four. Yeah, we, we should have teased it a little bit better and asked how many points you think Liverpool got from the top four last season <laughs> uh, well I'll tell you it was five and it was put to Brendan Rodgers when it was at the press conference the other day that um, that record against the top four is not great I know obviously there's a lot of draws thrown in there in general but five from 24 points last season it was thrown at him that you know it's not the greatest record and that's being kind I'm just wondering how important you see it Neil um, you know, in comparison to, I mean, Rogers batted it with a straight bat and said, you know, you can still go with it and lose these games and still achieve what you want to in a season, but. How, how crucial is it from? I think he's absolutely right. Certainly, point certainly from the point of view of those away games, the away games against Arsenal, City, United, and Chelsea. I think I said before about West Ham at home being a, being a bigger game. There's correlations all over the place. I think the most important thing you want to do is you want to just try and you want to try and take points off them. So you want to try and get the you know you want to try and get a get a draw. Uh, obviously all three points in any football match is worth having, but I think you know you want to try and pick a couple of draws up. Mm. But you know we were chatting the break and I was saying if you offer me eight from 24 this season and it's eight draws, yes. I'll take that all day. You know, I'll, I'll absolutely take that all day from those games or even possibly I'd take I'd even be you could even sway me around uh, two victories, two defeats at home and uh, winning the other and sorry and drawing the other the, the four aways, I mm. think. It's 
does this come down from from Liverpool's point of view as game management? Because I don't think they are mentality wise. They're not the type of side to go there and set themselves up. We're just not going to get beat today. They're not that type of team. But should at 60, 70 minutes, if they're still at nil nil, then the switch should go in the head and go right. Let's manage this game and, and yeah, come away with a point. Yeah, I think it's a massive thing. I think I you can win the league by beating the sides between you know between seventh and twentieth. Oh eight oh nine, United won the league. Uh, they only lost. They only dropped points to one side uh, between eighth and twentieth. Only one side between eighth and twentieth, and they won the league. They got beat home and away by Liverpool that season. And I think they got beat. I think they had the poorest record of the season's top four against the top four clubs. It didn't matter. They were the champions. And that's this is the way in which the league is. And I, Rogers is right to say that you know you've you, you can afford, I don't think you can necessarily afford something as poor as five out of twenty four, but you can certainly afford something around the, around ten out of twenty four, and certainly if the, if there's a lot of draws on the road in that, and and still and still be able to think yeah we can we can do this, and and yeah game management is a factor in this. I think you've got to have. I think that the big thing for me tonight for Liverpool is that they've almost got a. If they can get to 60 and it's still tight and then they probably push for it between 60 and 70 and then you're right to say there is an argument. You get to 75 and you go, you know what? We're in this. Uh, but you'd also get to go, you know, we'll just frustrate you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll frustrate you and maybe we'll hit you on the break but it's all right because we'll take the points. We, the, the switch should be flicked. We'll take the points and we'll, we'll we'll get out of dodge with this point and thank you very much. And, and I think that that's... At this stage of the season, it's obviously different come March. You know, if Liverpool were going to Arsenal in March and, uh, you know, they were two points off the pace, but the pace was Arsenal, then you'd be looking at it going, got to have a go, yeah. Got You know, comes that last 15, you've got to come the other side. But if the aim of the enterprise is to is to put you in contention, then the most important thing that you can do between now and March is just win your home games. You just keep winning your home games. And Liverpool don't play anyone at home who is any good until Arsenal. Next season, until until Arsenal. And when's that? March. Uh, it's February, mid February, I think it is. Uh, they play Man United. And Arsenal so what you're saying now is that they should win every single home game until Liverpool that point. should go into every home game they have until that point favourites. And that, that, that's phrased it that way in strong favourites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they should they should win those games. Liverpool yeah. should Liverpool should put a better eleven on the pitch in every home game between now and the uh, February next year. They should put a better eleven on the pitch than the opposition. So they should win those games. Yeah, and that's where the pressure is. You want that? That's the pressure. That's what if you want to achieve your ambitions this season. That's where the pressure is. And if they do do that statistically, they're they're... a great show. Yeah, I mean you look at you just look at the you know you, if you go through. 13, as long as they're not getting obliterated on the road. Yeah, if you're not getting obliterated, but you know, as we, we were talking in the break, and uh, 2010-11, United win 18 home games, draw the other one, um, win five away games, draw ten, win five. That's win all five, five away games, insane. and they won the league. That's insane. They won the league with 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 five away with five wins on the road. They won the league. But as you season. alluded to in the break, there out of the well, how many draws was there? Ten. Uh, ten. But so out of that, there will be maybe a draw against Arsenal, or exactly. maybe a draw against Chelsea, or something like. Well, you're killing their momentum. They're, they're, they're coming up against you. You're you're t- putting all and sundry to the sword at home, and I think that's the big thing. Is that yeah? And this is why I, keep, I do keep saying this. Liverpool, you know, I'm trying to just do them all off the top of my head. But you know, the next three home games: West Ham, Norwich, Aston Villa. Nine points should be should be, and that's the key thing. And if it isn't, then that's where you start. That's where alarm bells start to ring, and that's where you start to worry. You just keep picking them up. You just keep picking those threes up, and then Liverpool's next three away games: Arsenal, Manchester United, um, Everton. 
So you know you've got to you, you know you take you you take a point in all three of those games if we're being absolutely honest before the ball's kicked. Certainly Arsenal and Manchester. So United. if you get three from nine in those games and take nine from nine at the homes, then you're, you're in really good shape. If you three if you three from nine is three draws, you're in really really good shape. And if you get draws against Arsenal and United, and then you you you're at Goodison and there's twenty to go and it's nil nil, what you can begin to think is we'll have a little go. Mm. Well now we'll have a little go. We have a little go here against Everton for twenty minutes. See if we can pick them off on the break because you're picking up the home points. And if you if, if it doesn't happen for you against Everton, because with the greatest respect to Evertonians and, and they they say Liverpool won't be in the shake up at the end of the season, they might be right. But Everton won't be in the shake up at the end of the season. So the idea that a point stops them from amassing three yeah. worries you less. So you yeah. get to the last half an hour against Everton and get to go, it's nil nil. Now we'll have a go. And if you do do that and you turn that into all three, then you just keep and it's it there's loads and loads, you know, there's 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 a million different ways to talk about football and all this sort of stuff, but loads of football's just football happening. Most league tables look approximately the same by the end of the season, i.e. the points that first gets in the way it breaks down, the points that second gets in the way it breaks down. You know, you win ten away games in this league, you're flying. You're absolutely flying. To yeah. Liverpool already got one on the board. Everton have already got one on the board. And this is where, again, one of the reasons why Everton don't need to necessarily panic or, or start to worry too much or anything like that is, you know, City's out the, City at home's out the way. You've got one of your tough aways out the way in Southampton and you've got three points. You know, if Everton win eight, eight, eight away games this season, if Everton win eight, eight or nine away games this season, Everton will, Everton will come top eight. Mm. Because the way in which the league table will eventually break down is they'll, they'll be sitting there with 60, 62, 64 points. I know, I know Dave's uh, obviously asked you the question regarding the, the top boys and how you see them, you've, you're faring against those top uh, those top four. Uh, but you gave us an, an interest in that regarding Arsenal about the bottom half of the table. Yeah, last season Arsenal took 55 points from that 60. And that's how Arsenal do what they do. But this season, Arsenal are already... If West Ham finish bottom half, they're already, they've already lost three. This is why the thing about home games, Chelsea, everyone goes it's the first game of the season. Chelsea dropping points against Swansea, it doesn't leave them much room to manoeuvre. In 18 other home games, you know, they've now got to, 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 have a, to think they're likely to be champions. They've got to win at least 15 out of those 18. And do well away. And do well away. And it's this is where th- th- it does all begin to erode you quite quickly. And this is one of the reasons why Arsenal are under massive pressure this season. Last, uh, I'm not quite sure how many Chelsea won last season actually, but the season before last, when Manchester City won the league and finished just ahead of Liverpool, they won 17 homes. If Arsenal don't win tonight, they can only win 17 homes. They've got to be perfect for every single game from September to May at home to get to 17 homes if they don't win tonight. This is how little room to manoeuvre there is now in this league, the way in which it goes and again you know and this is why it's very important to always say three points in August is the same as three points in February mm-hmm. it's the same as three points in March but if you're Arsenal and you're looking at this one today well it, as I say if you don't win you've still got to entertain Manchester United Chelsea you've still got to entertain Manchester City but you've also got the idea that Swansea could come and give you the bloody nose yeah, Southampton yeah. could do that as well and it leaves them with absolutely no room for manoeuvre so that's why if there's 20 to go don't think Arsene Wenger doesn't know this don't think you know more than more than we know this these lads these fellas who are running these football, and that's why Rogers says what he says because Rogers knows this. Rogers knows that you know if there's 20 to go against West Ham next weekend and Liverpool aren't winning that game, this is it's it would be dramatic and wrong. The knock-on effects for May next but the year. knock-on effects are huge. The knock-on effects it gives you such little room to manoeuvre because I expect at least two, if not three, of the sides that finished above Liverpool last season and finished in the top four to win at least 15 homes. And if Liverpool are going to match those sides, they've got to win 15 homes. That's it. It's that straightforward. If you're going to come top four, win 15 home games. 
Depressingly simple, isn't it? Depressingly you know, simple, you, yeah. When, when you, you hear the stats there. like that and you analyse it over the years, there's nothing yeah. really changed over the years and no. years and years of football. It's all exactly well, the, the same. I really you treat each game and its merits because I'm like one of those people, I think, who have we got next? And you think, yeah, the pros and cons of it and you, you weigh it all up, but ultimately it just ends up the same. <laughs> it usually <laughs> ends up the same. 13-14, 13-14, Liverpool come second. Man City win the league, they won 17 home games. Liverpool come second, they won 16 home games. Chelsea come third, they won, thir- they won 15 home games. Arsenal come fourth, they won 13 home games Everton come 5th they won 13 home games Spurs came 6th they won 11 home games and they're, they're the top 6 winners of home games in order and they finish 1st to 6th mm. in order because that's the way it works and we can all you know there's a million different ways to win football matches and all this sort of stuff but once the numbers are written down most seasons the numbers approximately correlate to most of the seasons there's anomalies like when United win 5 away games and go on and win it when normally you need to win between 9 and 11 or 9 and 12 but they, but, didn't, lo- but they didn't lose but the they other... didn't lose they only lost they only yeah, yeah. lost four games all season yeah. so the other side of that is that you know and this is the other thing which is that you look at our Arsenal now again if you lose more than five games you're unlikely to win this league if you lose more than five you're unlikely to win the league well they've already lost one if they lose tonight they've lost two yeah yeah and they've, you know they've, they've, they've got 35, 35 of them left with, with, with everything that you are saying uh, with that in mind how big of a, a result is it for uh, Chelsea at West Bromwich Albion yesterday massive and this is I, th- I think this is why you know there was a lot of talk of them going absolutely bananas at the end of the game having gone down to ten men the reason why is because Mourinho knows this better than anyone Mourinho knows how quickly the, this math stacks up better than absolutely anyone and there was a, there was a possibility there they could be on one point when Manchester City were on nine mm. um, or even just on two points when Manchester City were on nine and yeah. that's it that, that's and you the think deal. of an eight point gap later on in the season people are saying the title's over yeah. and and they've already played each other so therefore they can only really recoup by themselves and relying on other people yeah, yeah. On one occasion, I think it was huge. I think I think it was a, it was a massive, massive three points for Chelsea on all fronts. I think it, the, the whole edifice could have begun to rock a little bit, and you know you've got to get that stuff in. But they've done it. But I, I do think they look. I, I thought Pedro looked impressive. Obviously, I do think Chelsea look. Something isn't quite right. I don't know whether or not it's it's whether or not it is the idea of them trying to do fitness a little differently this season or something like do you that. Do you think they've Do you think they've set themselves up? For Champions League football this year, possibly as in getting themselves, themselves ready for the Champions League rather than yeah. being hit the ground running at the start of the season. You've set themselves up to peak later on in the season. I think that's un- un- undoubted, isn't it? And uh, you look at who's suffering from that. I mean, you look at Fabregas. He looks like he's running with lead in his boots, doesn't he, it? Yeah, he just looks so off the pace. Even dare I say, a hazard as well. I know when he were trying to. Well, I mean, I know you see sides taking the ball into the corner, and obviously it's a very clever thing to do. I don't think I've seen Chelsea do it so early in a game, though. They, they, they obviously, down to 10 men, obviously, is a big factor in it, but you, you, you didn't have that swagger about them. It was a real, really hard grind for Chelsea, as it is against Pulis from most sides, but to see the relief off the off the face, like you say, Mourinho knows that that's a crucial three points. I mean, you go way behind there, then it's, it's a long way back even at that stage, isn't it? Because how often are you going to see City drop points? I thought that the interesting thing about Pedro was that he looked he looked fresher than a lot of the other Chelsea Oh, miles players. fresher, yeah. He's not been having their pre-season. No, he's had someone else's preseason. Absolutely, yeah. And that—that's what it looked like. It looked like it was this is easier. It looked like it just looked like simply the act of playing football was easier for Pedro than it was for a lot of those Chelsea players. And it could—I mean, in the long run, it could—it could really benefit Chelsea in terms of the Champions League. I just—I just think they've got a fundamental problem, which is yes, they've got Mourinho and he's capable of almost anything. And I think you've got to remember that certainly in a defensive setting, but. To win the Champions League, you've probably got to be two of Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, yep. and Barcelona. And I just don't think they've got enough good players. I just don't think the players, you know, you, you, you don't. How, how, what are Chelsea going to do to live with Neymar, Suarez, and uh, Messi? Yeah. What are they going to do to deal with this? And, 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 and 
anything can happen in 90 minutes and all that sort of stuff, but I just feel as though it's, it's possibly a bridge yeah. too far. I mean, you look at Pedro, you've highlighted there, Neil. He's great, but it's on a scale, isn't it? I mean, he's not that great as those you've just mentioned. Well, he didn't yeah. get in that team. Exactly. He, the reason exactly. why he's at Chelsea is because he couldn't yeah. get in that team. Which what makes me laugh in the, in the papers, United linked with Neymar. It's just never, ever, ever going to happen. And I, I just, I think that's that's sort of indicative of how far the Premier League's behind everywhere else at the moment. I mean, you look at the games on the whole at the weekend, uh, and you're looking at some of these sides, and you're thinking that these are clubs in the Premier League who are competing with the likes of Chelsea. Mm. You're not, you're not even getting the uh, the pedigree of opposition to warm you up for these games uh, away at Barca and, and and Bayern Munich. They're literally one-off games that you're expected to go and try and win or get through a pair of ties against them. It, I think the Premier League is as far away as it's ever been in, in terms of European competition. No, absolutely. Regarding uh, the Chelsea's pre-season, is the the fact that the pre-season has been the way that it is as to why we are seeing John Terry perform the way he is, or do you think his legs have gone? A uh, bit of both, quite conceivably, and I think he's just got a little bit less protection uh, in front and around him because I don't think Matic is playing as well, and I think it's the idea of people getting at Matic. If you get at Matic, well, you mentioned it regarding Coquelin a little bit yeah. earlier on, didn't you? Get at Matic, get a Terry. You get at Matic, you'll then get a Terry, and I think that that's what's happening a little bit. And I think sides uh, should have should have been sent off, or unfortunate to be sent off. I think he should have been sent off. Mm, I do. I think it, he should be sent. It off. was interesting the point you made, Neil. I, I think the, the lad that. West Brom have got Gnabry come on for them and he gave Matic the run around like you say running at him he, he specifically identified him and, and, and stuck with him it's almost like man marking a defensive midfielder yeah. isn't it to a certain extent just get, yeah it's this idea that if, if you can and you know maybe Liverpool will try and do it tonight if just imagine for a second the first player you take out the game and you pick the ball up to hold a midfielder yeah. what does that Put mean for a football on team yeah. that means that a football you're team you're at the back four yeah. and you're running right at the back and, two really and it means that they're suddenly looking around going someone's meant to be dealing with this and and, and the whole midfielder's going yeah it's me yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> that's where I think uh, that's I think a tactic to deal with someone who, who tries to have Sort of, I thought. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought the way Everton just took one yard out the game against Southampton was a great example of it. You know, he he was he just he was just made to be utterly irrelevant to the football match consistently. And as I say, Matic, I thought Manchester City just did it with Matic. They just made him completely irrelevant to the game for the mm. first half. It was like, you know. It, and I think the thing is about these the defensive midfielders now, they're not Claude McAuley, they're not Graeme Souness, the laws of the games have changed, so one, they can't just wallop people if they want to, two, you know, and Souness was such a great player in the way in which he's described as well, they're now in a situation where the laws of the game just simply tailor more towards the attacker, but I think there's also a thing here which is that the lads that you've got, they're just not as good at football mm. as, as, as Graeme Souness, you know, mm. Graeme Souness was a truly great footballer, um, he's, he's cited as this holding midfielder, Roy Keane a truly great footballer, he wasn't just a lad who, who won his tackles, he was a truly great footballer, Nemanja Matic looks a good player, doesn't, yeah. look a, doesn't look a great player, looks a good player, and you know you look at Wanyama as an example, Wanyama's not a very good footballer he's, he's, he's a decent footballer who can do a certain job, but he's not going to He's not a footballer who's going to start solving problems for What do you make of the kid at Arsenal, Coquelin, who's a, who Liverpool are up against tonight? Looks a good footballer, but, but isn't, isn't a great one. And this is, the, you know, as I said, McAuley's noted as being, you know, did he a man? Did he a man was just a really good footballer? He, he spent a period of his career playing attacking midfield, yeah. all this sort of stuff. He was really, really good at football and also happened to be a very, very good defensive midfield. But what that means is he can solve different problems. Yeah. He's, he's not just a screen. And this is where I think the idea of the specialist defensive midfielder, I wonder... Not if it's had its day, but if 
if what's now happened is that there's too many players who've come through and are coming through at the age of 18, 19, 20 as defensive midfielders, when they'd be better off being converted to defensive midfielders. Or just midfielders, be a midfielder. Yeah. Be, be a midfielder. You know what? Who tend to do more of that at the age of 22, 23, 24, onto, onto 30. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was bursting to say then. Where, where are the actual midfielders with nothing either side of that no. word? There's none of them anymore. It, you, you know, it went for that transformation where it was Makaleli, it was the quarterback, and then it was the box to box. Where's it just a Liverpool. general midfielder? I don't think they exist anymore. Liverpool have got two. In Henderson and Milner, yeah, and couldn't agree is, more. And this is, agree more. you know, I th- and I think that that's one. And yet we of, say that's the gamble some, this season, and yet they're referred to as versatile players. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, when they're just genuine, genuine midfield, they're players. midfield players. Yeah, and I think that this is this is this is the Brendan Rodgers gamble this season. We haven't talked about Luke, looks like Lucas might go, and um, whether or not he starts tonight, and so on and so forth. But Lucas, but Rodgers's gamble, I think, is on the idea of I'm going to have lads who, who are midfielders. I'm not going to have I'm not going to have attacking midfielders. Lads that can go from box to box, simple yeah. as that. But three of them. And, and that can play as well. Yeah, that they can all play. They can all play. They're all comfortable on the ball, but none of them's going to be a specialist in X. They're all going to be able to fill in for one another. And that takes... Well, you've got one in Cleverly there as well, just thinking yeah. on. Yeah, really, yeah, it's a good example. And, and, yeah. and, and Barkley could become that sort of player. And I think McCarthy is actually a midfielder. Funny thing about Barkley, he's suffered from having that sort of label attempted Attacking to be put on him. If he was yeah. just attempted to be a midfielder, yeah. just leave him to it, see what he develops into. Gents, fantastic as ever. We'll have to cut you short, sadly, because uh, it's the legends up next. They're going to be chomping at the bit to get stuck into the game tonight between Arsenal and Liverpool. Uh, Neil, you're back on Friday, yeah, with... uh, Half five. I'm feeling right about half past five, and uh, your boys will be back in this chair tomorrow at uh, 6.30? 6 o'clock? 6, Six o'clock. o'clock. Desperately not try- trying to not mention Tim Howard. Listen, right? Desperate. Don't worry. They're going to wind you up. The other boys are going to wind you up. They're going to try and get you on that subject. Maybe you just- wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Spent all day away from it, hiding in a corner. But my notes on Liverpool are extensive. My notes on Everton are just two words, Tim and Howard. First thing, he comes in with his, with his ruggish northern accent and goes, I've got one man to mention to you. One man to mention to you. But don't say his name. Do Gen- not say his name. Gentlemen, as ever, it's a pleasure. Fingers crossed we get an entertaining game tonight and Liverpool come out with uh, some points from the Emirates.